0: Are you ready to be awakened and empowered in your calling and purpose? Are you a builder and shaper of the church, marketplace, and society? Welcome to Transformation Generation Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Schneider, and I look forward to helping you get equipped as a catalyst of the kingdom in your sphere. I am going to be talking to you for the next few moments on why revival must become societal transformation. It must turn into or, cr- or trigger societal transformation. Now the way societies are transformed is by culture being influenced. And the way culture is influenced is by a stirring up or an initiation of a momentum there's a detonator, there's a trigger, and it becomes a momentum, a critical mass of people believing in something and, and making that cultural, making it part of the fabric and DNA of a society, and then there is societal transformation. Now, we already touched on how revival begins with us, it begins in the church, it wakes us up, it's the alarm clock for us to go and, and actually do something. We weren't meant to just sit and uh, have revival in the building every day. We're meant to actually go out. The reason for this is that you can actually have great church services in a nation and have the nation not changed. <laughs> you can actually plant churches on every corner in a nation and have the nation not transformed into the image of the kingdom of heaven. You can actually be planting churches, you can be having incredible services that are kept inside the building, and still not really be fulfilling the great commission of discipling the nation. I know that's loaded. You're doing some of, you're doing part of what it takes to disciple a nation, but it is limited. I want to explain to you why. If you take the nation of Jamaica, for example, Jamaica actually is a good example because it has more churches per capita than any other nation in the world. Yet it still suffers, the country suffers, systemic poverty, systemic violence, systemic fatherlessness, and all kinds of issues, even though there's like a church on every corner. Why is this? Why is it that even in our own nation, we have great churches, big churches, great services and different things happening. We can have conferences where literally God touches down in that building, but yet the nation continues on a track to be worse today than it was before. Why is this? The reality is revival itself does not transform a nation. Only the kingdom of God does. And for the kingdom of God to bring all that it has, its answers, its wisdom, its, its spirit, it's all that the kingdom is, for, for the earth or your city or nation to become the king's domain and to be a reflection of heaven, it means that it really has to be saturated <laughs> with the spirit of God. It really has to be saturated with the principles of the kingdom to the point that it is transformed. The reality is, as good as it is that your church is saturated with God and great services and signs and wonders and the presence of Almighty God, that's great, but God doesn't just want your church to experience him. He wants the whole city and nation to experience him. God doesn't want any to perish. So how do we take the stuff in our revival out beyond the four walls to become a catalyst of transformation of the culture? Well. The kingdom of God, because that's what revival carries, so the kingdom moves on the wings of revival, the kingdom of God must become systemic within the society. So it actually has to penetrate every sphere of influence and life. So it's gotta get into the seven mountains. It's gotta get into the business sector, education sector. Literally every sphere of the city or nation must become the king's domain, kingdom king's domain. And for that to happen, it's got to go beyond the four walls of your building. And the good news is maybe your church isn't set up in the local high schools. Maybe your church isn't set up in the business community, but The members, let's not even call them members, the sons and daughters of the kingdom in your church, they do have a place in every sphere of society. Somebody's working at Walmart, somebody's attending a university, somebody in your church is involved in business. They all have various spheres that they are in and they've been even given abilities by God from birth (laughs) to go and be effective in those spheres. So if they get revived at the church, they are sent out as ambassadors to now transform and make the rest of society look like heaven or what's happening inside the church. Do you get it? It literally is a commission that we saw from the very beginning when, uh, in Genesis, when it says uh, God made man is in his own image and likeness and then he commissioned them. Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Literally take the glory and the concentration of the kingdom that's inside the Garden of Eden and go out and multiply over the whole earth until the whole earth reflects the concentrated glory and kingdom that's in Eden. Woo! <laughs> you know, even just, just you'll like this, even Eden, when we talk about the Garden, Actually, it's a complex word, but the original word is doorway. Literally an open portal where God's glory was and his kingdom was, and Adam and Eve were to be stewards of this kingdom. Not just praying all day, but also managing the earth, going out beyond the four walls of the garden, multiplying the glory. Well, the same commission exists today. When Jesus died and rose again, he settled the jurisdiction issue. What do I mean by that? He settled the authority issue. God operates by principles and he operates within realms of authority. And so God doesn't just come in like a bully, he doesn't come in and steal, he operates in a way that relates to authority. It's just how he set both the spirit world and the earthly world up. And so Prior to the cross, we see sort of a commission where it says preach the gospel, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, you know, and keep it in the house of Israel. Keep it in the church, (laughs) for lack of a better term. But then after the cross, we see a commission, but now it's called the Great Commission. Why is it called great? because it's greater than the previous one. So now we have the Great Commission where Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth is now mine. He settled the authority issue, which means the right to go and rule, the right to go and possess. Because if Jesus didn't have authority over every sphere of society, we should then only have authority inside our churches. And that's where we function and we turn them into waiting rooms (laughs) or funeral parlors until we get to go to heaven. But no, Jesus said all authority where in heaven, good, and on earth has been given to me. He's saying, I settled the jurisdiction issue. The kingdom of God does not have to be limited to Israel. The kingdom of God doesn't have to be limited to your church building. The kingdom of God doesn't have to be limited to just this sphere of life or politics or whatever. No, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on the whole earth, therefore. Here comes the mission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. I wanna blow your mind with something that you maybe haven't seen before as it relates to how to take revival and make it systemic in such a way that the whole region reflects God's glory. Let me show this to you. When it says to go and disciple nations, nations is clearly the noun in that sentence. A person, place, or thing. Let me take you back to school. (laughs) A person, place, or thing, the noun. We know that that Greek word is ethnos. So basically, any people group with some kind of culture qualifies to be a nation. We know Canada is a nation, but your university is considered a nation, an ethnos. Your city, your your uh, Walmart, you know, these are all people groups with a culture. So when the Bible says to go and disciple nations in Matthew 28, discipling the people group, If nations is the noun, we know that the verb, the action, what we are doing, is making disciples. We are literally making disciples of the nation. We are calling a people group to be a disciple of Jesus. This is powerful. Maybe even they don't all get saved, but they're going to function under, you know, we're going to disciple them in how to live. So if the noun is nations, and keep in mind, God sees nations like he sees individuals. He calls Israel the firstborn. He sees nations like individuals, and he actually, just the same way he wants you as a person to be discipled, he wants the nation to be discipled. So, if the noun is, is, is nations, and we're, we're, we're discipling the nation as if it's a person, yes, that includes evangelism, but it's so much more than evangelism evangelism wins people to Christ one person at a time, and that's included in discipling a nation. But discipling a nation actually is about making the values of the kingdom of God become systemic throughout the culture until we are teaching them how to live. This is really important. That's why within the Great Commission it says teaching them to observe. Now, after that it says uh, baptizing them baptizing them. So we're discipling them, the verb, baptizing them, the verb, that's what we're doing. Baptizing who? Baptizing the noun. We're baptizing the nation as if it's a person. (laughs) So we're literally doing more than just water baptism of individuals. Just like when we disciple nations, we're doing more than just random evangelism, we're actually teaching the nation to observe a whole new value system, a whole new kingdom. And therefore, we're not just baptizing individuals one by one in water, we're baptizing, fully immersing, we're baptizing the country, we're baptizing the university, we're fully immersing every culture group in the kingdom of God. (laughs) And when you begin to baptize, and I'm talking about more than a little sprinkling on the forehead, I'm talking about full immersion, just the same way that we take a person and fully immerse them in water and bring them up, we're talking about taking a nation, fully immersing it in the kingdom of God until revival becomes systemic until the principles of the Bible become systemic, until the Spirit of God just finds its way into every boardroom, into every business, into the education sector, until all things within the culture reflect the kingdom of God. And we know that the totality of that won't happen until later, but at least we know that we're fulfilling God's dream that none would be saved, that all would, and that's why it says there, after baptizing them, it says we're teaching them to observe heaven's value system. Even, though, even if they don't believe in the king of that kingdom, we're teaching them to observe. The values of, of life, the values of love, all the values found in the Bible, we're literally teaching them to observe and live by. This is so powerful, and that's why it says baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's not an argument over a, or a fight over, did you immerse the guy in water in the name of Jesus or in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? But that's speaking of identity, causing a people group, causing a nation to identify themselves with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, causing a nation to covenant itself. The nation becomes so immersed and impacted by the systemic power of the kingdom as we go out beyond the four walls, that the nation itself begins to make covenant with God. The nation itself begins to identify itself with Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they get baptized into the glory of this kingdom. And this is why revival must go out like a river. We are the carriers of it. Out like a river until every sector of society is baptized in the kingdom of God. Thanks for joining me, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Transformation Generation Podcast. If you liked what you heard, visit HistoryMakersAcademy.com to enroll in one of our cutting edge trainings. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, History Makers TV, or download our History Makers Society app today.